This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Angie and I have four children, and each of our kids, we were moving around a lot when we were younger and I was in school, each of our kids were born in a different state. Our oldest daughter, Kaylee, was born in Texas, the motherland where I'm from. And then Ashley was born in South Carolina. Nate was born in North Carolina. And Ethan was born right here in Orlando, Florida. Not many Florida natives, but he is. And so I was thinking about this with Kaylee. We were very young and very broke and did not have insurance that would cover finding out the gender. So we found out that Kaylee was a girl the moment she was born. We had no idea before that. We found out, oh, wow, this is awesome. And then with the other kids, we, we found out ahead of time. But I was thinking about that this week and, and thinking about parents, those of you that have kids, or e- even if you know people that have kids, you know you think about the birth announcement, and usually there's a little bit of information. The baby weighed this much. Uh, the length of the baby was this much. Which, by the way, if you want to know the answers, oh, so-and-so had a baby. How much did it weigh? How long was it? Don't ask a man. All they know is a baby was born. Women will know more details. But when it comes to an announcement of a birth, there's really not much more to say. I mean, when you have a kid, you know how much it weighs. You know, I mean, some babies are cute. Some babies are ugly. Like some, let's just be honest. Some babies look, okay, you're shriveled up. We, we don't know. You're going to grow out of this, hopefully. I mean, it's church. We got to be honest. <laughs> but, but. You, you love your baby, and your baby's precious, but you don't know. Is this kid going to grow up and change the world, or are they going to prison? You have no idea. You have no idea. You're going to do the best you can as a parent to pour into them, and that's one of the, the awkward and stressful things about parenting. How in the world am I going to help a child know how to navigate this world when I'm broken and I'm still trying to figure it out? And every parent, you, you feel this overwhelming sense because of how deeply you love your kids, of everything you hope for them, and everything you pray for them, and everything that you're going to pour yourself into while knowing, I don't have it all figured out. Everybody deals with that. Nobody knows on the day the baby is born the impact that child will have. It's been that way for all of history except for one baby. Mary and Joseph knew this baby's different. This baby is unique. They had been told by an angel that this baby is the Son of God. They knew better than anybody, a baby born of a virgin. Joseph and Mary knew better than anybody, this baby, there's there's something unique, there's something special. And we've been talking the last couple of weeks in this Christmas season about the reality that Jesus, yes, is a Savior. And that's extremely important. It all starts with, this is why Jesus came. The Christmas story is the story of God's love for us. The most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave. Christmas began with giving. It began with generosity. And it was God doing something for us because we could not do anything about our own brokenness. So He sent His Son to become a Savior, but... He's more than a Savior. He's a king. That word Christ in the Greek literally means king. The Hebrew word is Messiah, the anointed one, the final king, the promised one. 
And so he's a savior, but he's more than that. He's a king. When Jesus is your savior and that's your perspective, you view him as a forgiver of sin. And a lot of people have prayed a prayer inviting Jesus to come into their lives to have their sins forgiven, to have a home in heaven after this life, and to hopefully do okay in life. But but there's a big difference in Jesus is my Savior, and Jesus is my Savior and my King. My Savior, He forgives my sin. My King, He helps me discover my purpose. I live my life in obedience to a King. A Savior, if that's all he is, just a forgiver of sin, I can pray a prayer and then I can, I can live my life, I can make my decisions, I can do what I want, I can ignore the Word of God or what God says about how to live the best life. I, I can bump all of that and maintain control over my life and call him my Savior. Because we've defined Savior as something that takes care of us in eternity but has very little to do with us right now. When in reality, he's a Savior. He's the only Savior, but he's more than that. He's a king. So the question we've been asking, the question that you owe it to yourself to ask, you you owe it to yourself to ask. And for some of you, maybe wrestle with an honestly answer. Okay, Jesus is the king, but is he my king? A savior was born. Is he my savior? And if I invite the savior into my life, who also happens to be a king, that means he's my Lord. And you limit what God can do in your life and you, you miss out when you opt out in participating in the kingdom of God that you and I have been invited to be a part of. Is he your king? Why does that matter? I mean, honestly, in today's world, why, why does it matter if Jesus is your king? It matters because you surrender your life to something. All of us have a king. For some of you, you sit on the throne of your life. You're the king. Others of you, it's your desires, your goals, your motivations. And it's not even things that are bad. Some of you, you have a list of things you want to accomplish, and you're driven, and you're chasing achievement, and you want to be somebody, and you want to live a life of significance. It's not that it's bad. It's just that you and I are far too small and far too insignificant to sit on the throne of anything. We've been invited to be a part of a bigger story. And so it matters because... You're surrendered to something. You're surrendered to you or your desires or your plans. But have you surrendered your life to the king? Luke's gospel, we find the Christmas story, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. What you need to know about shepherds in this culture, in history, at this time in the world, they were the lowest of the low in society. Nobody respected shepherds. Nobody hung out with shepherds. They, they were viewed as unclean or defiled. They weren't allowed to go into the temple to worship. They had to stay on the outskirts of town. They were the outcast. They were the disconnected. They were the people that felt like misfits or like they never fit in. They, they were looked down on by everybody else in culture. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Yes, he's Savior, but he's also King, Messiah. He is to be the Lord of your life, the boss of your life. He's to be in charge of your life. Now, in the birth announcement of a king, I would imagine that for a king, if there's a birth announcement, the birth announcement is sent to palaces. 
But for this king, the announcement was sent to a pasture, to people that were outcasts, to people that were viewed as less than. And from the very beginning of the Christmas story, we begin to discover God has no problem walking into the messiest places that other people ignore. God values people other people don't value. God finds precious every single human being. So if you've ever felt like a misfit or like you didn't fit or, or you're not connected or there are, there are the important people and then there are you. There are the popular people, then there are you. There are the people that have great lives and then there's you. No, no, no. The reality is you are the very person God loves with everything in him. The reason he sent his son and he wanted his birth announcement to go to the people that people viewed as the least. Because you're not left out. How Jesus came sheds light on how Jesus loves. You're going through a challenge or a struggle. He's not unaware. I love Christmas. But it's not lost on me, as Nathan mentioned earlier. It's also a very painful time for a lot of people. And more than that, it's not lost on God. If you feel like you're stuck out in a pasture of pain somewhere, you're navigating something that you don't have answers to yet, you're struggling with some decisions that you have to make, you're wrestling with five years ago how you thought your life would look and the reality of what you're living today, this this passage is simply God whispering to you, I know, I know. I'm aware. He's always been aware. 800 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah, the Old Testament, prophesying about what was to come, says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for to us a child is born. I love that. I love that. To us, not to them, not to those people, not to the good people, not to the religious people, not to the right people, but to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He was not born as a religious leader. He was born, in a sense, as a political leader that started a movement, a government bigger than anything on planet Earth, and a unique kingdom that will not have a capital in a particular city, but a unique kingdom that is to take up residence and presence in each of our lives. We've been invited to be a participant, a part of the kingdom of God here on Earth. It is us, those who are Christ followers, those who know Jesus as Savior, but also as king because he's a savior, but he's so much more than that. We are to live in a way that that we bring heaven to earth and heaven touches earth in people's lives day by day because of how we love, how we serve, how we forgive, how we're kind to people that are unkind, how we're nice to people that are not nice. Have you been to Waterford shopping during Christmas? I have a concealed carry permit. I thought about unconcealing it. Separate story. I I still need Jesus and help. But we're to live in a way where we represent him. Now, now here's what's interesting. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Why hasn't this good news that God loves you so much and he loves me so much that he sent someone to pay for my sin so that I could connect with the Father in a personal way, so that I could know God in a personal, daily, intimate way. That's incredible news. What do you do when you get good news? You hope it's true. When you get bad news, you hope it's not true. 
When you get good news, you hope it's true. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. If it's such good news, and it brings such great joy, and it's for all the people, why are some of the seats around you empty? Why have so many people said, I don't think the news is that good? I don't think it applies to me. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower and you feel some of what I just said, I want to, on behalf of pastors that do what I do and churches, apologize to you. Because anything that's not good about the good news, people created, not God. And sometimes as Christ followers and sometimes as the church, we do a terrible job representing a perfect Savior who loves every single person you and I like eyes with. It's good news. And and we have an opportunity this week to share that good news and invite. For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, listen, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor. I don't know if you talk on a regular basis or periodically to a counselor. Over the years, I have on occasion talked with counselors and therapists, sometimes because I needed help navigating an issue that I was dealing with and I was processing. Other times, it's been preventative. I want to make sure that I'm okay, my mental health, my emotional health, the decisions I'm making. I I don't know what you do, but what I do the last two and a half years, they've been the most rewarding, but they've been the most stressful of my life. It was a challenge beyond my abilities in and of myself to navigate leading a church, a volunteer organization, when we couldn't even meet for nine or ten months when there were those who said you have to wear a mask and those who demanded people never wear a mask, where those who said you got to get a vaccine and other people don't touch the vaccine, and trying to lovingly navigate and lead through something, I'm not not having a pity party. I'm just saying it has been tough. And I'm so grateful that I have. If you're a Christ follower, you have a wonderful counselor, a God who will lead and guide, a God who always has the best advice. Well, how do I know his advice? You've got to read the book. You've got to spend a little bit of time each day in God's word. But did you know all of us have a counselor? You have a counselor. You have several. Sometimes I talk with guys who are like, I don't need a counselor. Oh, Jethro, yes, you do. You're the only one who doesn't know it. Ask your family. They're begging. Like, you, you and I need help beyond what we've been able to figure out. It's mind-blowing to me that people think they're going to change their life without changing their habits. That just does not happen. You're not going to change your life if you don't change your patterns. You're not going to change your life if you don't change your mindset. And sometimes I need the help of someone who can see things I can't see, who is qualified beyond me, who's an expert in a certain area to help me. Now, let me tell you this. If you're talking to a counselor, please, please, please hear me. Every counselor I've talked to, I've talked to some great counselors. I've talked to some counselors that sucked. I didn't talk to them again. What do you do if you're talking to a counselor that's not helpful? 
Don't, don't say counseling didn't work. Go find another counselor. You didn't date just one person and say, oh, it's not for me. I'll never get married. No, you date somebody. Like, you find the one that works. You, you find that. But a counselor, I will never in my life give someone influence over me mentally or emotionally who doesn't have a biblical foundation and is not a Christ follower. Every counselor I've talked to is a Christ follower, but also has been trained and licensed and knows the mind and the will and the emotions and how they all work together. I want the best of both. I want the biblical foundation and the person who understands how it all works because I have no idea how it all works. And I need that kind of help. But who's your counselor? We all have counselors. Some people, you don't pay to talk to them. You pay for talking to them. Some of your friends that you go to, they're your counselor. Your marriage is in trouble and you're struggling. you got a couple of buddies that have been divorced. And so you meet at places where you just drink a lot and talk about how bad your wife is. And they agree and say, yeah, you need to get out. Greatest thing I ever did. While they're sitting somewhere drinking by themselves. You have a counselor. And you can either pay to talk to a counselor that's going to help you, or you will pay for talking to people that will convince you to do what you already want to do. See, he is a wonderful counselor. Not just a counselor, a wonderful counselor. God is so incredible in what he brings to us through his word, which is divinely inspired. The, the only book that is living, the book that is I read it, it reads me. God is the, the one who will, he's willing to go to the awkward places, the uncomfortable places, the inconvenient places. And he always tells us what we need to know in our best interest. He is a wonderful counselor. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Aren't th- th- there, there are many paths to God. If there are, Jesus is a liar. He said he's the only way to the Father. The only way you're able to call God, the only way I'm able to call God Father is through Jesus and the sacrifice he made. That's why when we pray at the end, we say, in Jesus' name. We can only access the Father because of the sacrifice of the Son and inviting him to come into my life as Savior and King. It's the only way it's possible. But he says, I am the way. You won't find the way without him. I am the truth. Truth is funny. Because we live in a culture that has redefined truth. And we live in a culture that ignores absolute truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. That means anywhere in culture that culture or philosophy or the popular opinion of the day is disconnected and disregards what the Word of God teaches, that's not truth. But you've got to decide for you, what's your authority? People who change their mind every five or ten years? Or God, who's always been consistent, been here from the beginning, and created us and created the life he wants us to live. He says, I am truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You, you, will, never, you will never experience life until you know God in a personal way. I've known a lot of people who spend time existing but never living. Just because you're breathing, just because you wake up and go to sleep, just because you earn a paycheck, it doesn't mean you're living. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way you experience that is not by just having a Savior. 
but by following him as a king. He didn't come just to forgive sins. He came to lead followers. And when he's my king, what do you do with a king? You obey. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. I love that one. Mighty God. I don't know about you, but I've been through some things in my life that were beyond my ability to handle. I've navigated some deep pain. I've walked through some rough days. And many of you, listen, I am not minimizing what you went through. Some of you have been through harder things than I've been through. Some of you, you could walk on this platform and share your story, and our hearts would go out to you, and we would feel the depth of what you've walked through, and we would say, yes, you have walked through pain. But we have a mighty God, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke the world into existence. He is a mighty God. He is a powerful God. And I need, in my most difficult moments and on my darkest days, I need a power that's bigger than my power. I need somebody that's bigger than me. And I'm so grateful that our God is a wonderful counselor, but he's also a mighty God. But then I love what happens in this verse. Look, look, look. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, speaking of power and what he can do and how he can move and the things he can handle, which is everything, the God living inside you, the Spirit of God living inside you, if you're a Christ follower, is bigger than anything you will ever experience, bigger than anything you will ever face, larger than any temptation that comes your way. He is a mighty God. And then right after that, right after he talks about his power, he gets personal, an everlasting father. There is an intimacy in this text where God is saying, I love you so much, I want to be your father, I want to be your dad. For some of you, that's hard. Because the word dad, or the word father, is not a good one in your world. The word dad, or the word father, comes with a sting and brings back a rush of memories and sometimes a flood of emotion. Because your dad or your father was not who you needed and not who they should have been. If that's where you are, I want you to notice everlasting father. If you had a horrible dad, I want you for a moment to imagine what a perfect father would be. And when you begin to imagine that, you haven't even begun to scratch the surface of how good your heavenly father is. He is an everlasting father. What does that mean? Everlasting father. There's no expiration date. Some of you, if you have kids, they reach an age where you think, okay, I might, I might check out. Like, you handle you. I mean, you, you, you're doing some stuff. My parents thought that about me. I didn't choose the thug life. Thug life chose me. I mean, I, I haven't always been a pastor. And, and listen, my parents, there were moments, I don't know why they didn't give up on me. But here's the thing about God. No matter who you are, no matter what's happening in your life, the things you're ashamed of, the things you wrestle with, he is an everlasting father. In fact, in Scripture, he promises that in our pain, he draws closer to us. He promises he will never leave us and never forsake us. He is always there, an ever-present help in any moment of trouble. He is an everlasting father. You can't get rid of him. You can't get rid of God who is mighty and powerful but uses that power as a protective, loving father who wants to know you in a personal way. He doesn't just love you. What if, what if, what if God likes you? And then Prince of Peace. 
if he's just a Savior, hopefully he'll forgive my sin. But if he's my king, if I live my life submitting to this king, following this king, I set my life up to have access to a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. There is, in my opinion, one thing that all of us want. The Cowboys to beat the Jaguars today. But, but one thing, one thing, no, no, no. One thing that all of us crave. We try different things to get it. We try different paths to achieve it. But it's what we ultimately chase in life. Peace. Peace. Imagine a world where your head hits the pillow at night and your brain does not start racing about all the things that trouble you. Imagine a world where you wake up and there are no thoughts that could occupy your mind that cause your heart to start to race. Imagine a world where there's no anxiety, where you're able to, even in the midst of chaos, rest in the strength of a mighty God who's also a prince of peace. Peace. All the money in the world can't buy it. All the degrees can't place it in your life. People chase peace by changing houses, changing cars, changing marriages, changing scenery, moving around the furniture on the Titanic without even realizing it's still sinking. But you and I have access to the Prince of Peace And do you remember what he promised in the New Testament? He said, my peace I give you. In this world, you will have trouble. But don't fear, you've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And my peace I give you, not like the world gives. He doesn't just give us some peace where when life's good, we get a little relief and a little break. He gives us the kind of anchored peace in who he is. That even when life's falling apart, on the inside, his presence is real. His power is there. And I don't know how I'm going to navigate two days from now, but for today, he's in me. And I'm trusting him, sometimes moment by moment. And if you just... If you just at some point in your life prayed a prayer to ask Jesus to be your Savior and forgive your sin, and then you moved on in life, and you're deciding, and you're in control, and you sit on the throne, and you're doing what you want, ignoring how the king says the best way to live life is, you'll never have peace. You'll never have the benefit of a life coach, a wonderful counselor. You'll never experience the power of God, the mighty God, like some people do. And you'll never know the trusting, authentic intimacy of an everlasting Father. Some of you, especially some of you men, you still live your lives trying to make a father proud that may not even still be alive. But you have a God who wants to know you deeper in a more connected way, who wants to be active in your life, and who you have the ability, when he looks at you, he's proud. 
He loves you. What, what if God is not mad at you at all? What if you haven't messed up too much? What if it's not too late to come back or to start over? What if, what if you could go to a God when you pray, when you read his word, who is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace? When Jesus is my king, when Jesus is your king, he's a wonderful counselor who guides his people. When he's our king, he's a, he's a, one, he's a mighty God who strengthens his people. When I make Jesus my king, he's an everlasting father who loves unconditionally his people. When I live with Jesus as my king, he's the prince of peace who saves his people. Dr. Luke, chapter 2, Gospel of Luke. Luke was a physician, extremely analytical. I think of him almost as an internal medicine doctor, just so curious, got to get to the bottom of it. He analyzes everything. He talks to everybody. He wants to give a thorough account so everybody understands. So the Holy Spirit inspires the Word of God. It is from God, using the personality of Luke who investigates everything. And he says this in Luke chapter 2, today in the town of David, and that word today in the original language can be translated in this time. The time has come. The time, the fullness of time is now realized. This is the moment. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. But he's not just a Savior. He's the Messiah, the King, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. When he's just a Savior, I prayed a prayer to. It's going to be very easy on December 26th to pack up that little nativity scene with that manger and put it away. And I only bring out the Savior when I need saving. There's a relationship crisis. There's a financial mess. There's a job on the horizon or the loss of a job. And I I go running to a Savior who's supposed to bail me out because that's what I need. I prayed a prayer to be rescued in eternity, and now I need a Savior who will rescue me. But, but what if your life is meant for more than that? What if you were created not to have momentary religious experiences? What if you were created for more than just emotional moments? What if you were created for moments that create a momentum in your life of growth and connection with a holy God who loves you more than anything in this world? To us, all of us, there are no exceptions. No matter what's taken place in your life, you are deeply loved by God. And the truth is, He has bigger dreams and a bigger purpose for your life even than you do. But you'll never know it and you'll never live it if you don't make Him your King. Jesus is more of a King than any other King. And He came to connect with us like no other King. He sacrificed everything because of how much He loves you. In this Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of, yes, a Savior, absolutely. But a Savior who is also a King and expects those He saves to follow Him. Is He your King? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, in this moment, I pray for every single man and woman and young person in this room.
I pray your spirit would work in our lives and that you would draw us. You are the way, the truth, and the life. I pray in this moment right now you would show us the way as you have revealed your truth so we could live the life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you need to take the first step. You, you know that the deepest need, the greatest need in your life is to give your life to Christ, to invite Jesus to come into your life, yes, to be your Savior. But purposing in your life to follow Him also as your King, your Lord. If that's where you are, I can't think of a better day than today to make this commitment. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer. You can pray it out loud, or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus knows even our thoughts. But if you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life, to forgive your sin, to also sit on the throne of your life, and to be your guide, your God, your Lord in this life, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just pray this simple prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin. And help me to live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know it. You can text your name to 407-487-8311, and Pastor Byron will be praying for you this week. And also, we want to thank you for your faithful generosity. You can go to giveC3.cc or you can text C3Orlando to 77977. Thank you so much for how you give. And if you are in Central Florida, please join us in person at our campus at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Have a great week.